In our Bible studies, we're looking at 1 Samuel in the mornings, each morning, and we're going in depth, and there's things I'm learning I've never learned before. And I did a whole teaching series years ago on David and Saul, and I looked into it in depth, into commentaries and all sorts of things. But this time through, it's like I've never read the book before. <laughs> there's levels of understanding. And God's just leading us in that. And it's a team process. There's things that, that come up from different people that help build the whole picture. And that's the joy of it. It's not just, well, here's something I've prepared for you. It's actually, here's what we all have prepared in our hearts by the Holy Spirit as we read it. And that's what we stir one another with. And I think that's a very powerful way uh, to do Bible study. Now, um, when someone leads worship well, um, very often they prophetically on the money and they steal half your sermon. And, and that's always a good sign. Especially on those Sundays when you're praying and saying, oh, I think I've got this right, Lord. And then you find, yeah, I feel so encouraged, I feel built up, I feel ready to go. Um, because there's something God wants to touch. And the thing that I want to speak about, which I'll go the short route through now, uh, that we've had what we've had from uh, during the worship. But it's this thought, David was a man after God's own heart. And Saul, the king, where we are in the story at the moment, was kind of worldly wise man in a way, if you have read Pilgrim's Progress, but he's this kind of character that people pleases very well, that is full of hidden insecurities, and actually, at times, will rather go man's way than God's way. Even when it comes to something as holy as a sacrifice, he's willing, because people are feeling a bit rushed and, oh, well, they're going to disappear, we won't have much of an army. Well, the practical thing is just do it. And actually, he misses the heart of God, doesn't wait for Samuel. And actually, God says to Saul, I'm going to take the kingdom away, I'm going to take it off your hands, and I'm going to give it to someone who will do what I say, who's got that heartbeat. I just feel challenged because God's been speaking to me personally through other passages, not the one I'm preaching on, <laughs> but just speaking about the heart. A heart after God's own heart. Now, does everyone here have a heart after God's own heart? Yeah? Amen? Oh, look at that, right? We're there. But what I've begun learning is there's levels of that, of a heart after God's own heart. And what God's been taking me on is a journey deeper in. And it's fairly ouch. There's things I'm learning about myself, I'm going, ouch, I don't like that. And God's going deeper with his heart. And I think there's a sense where David, he didn't always do the right thing, but he had a heart after God's own heart. But that was Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we told Moses when he went to the presence of God, his face glowed and then faded. And the New Testament tells us that we, with unveiled faces, shine God's radiance wherever we go. And it doesn't perish. It doesn't fade. It's sustained. So in other words, the New Testament blessing on us is beyond the Old Testament. Right? You don't, you, you know, so you don't look very encouraged by that, you know. But wherever you go, just go, here we glow, here we glow, you know, and you'll be fine, you know. Um, 
But, but that glowing is coming out of us all the time. We're not even aware of it at times. And the darker it is, the brighter that is. So we don't need to be scared of the dark. We don't need to be scared of things around us because actually what's in us is, is better. But then when we look at David and we go, wow, look at all those psalms he wrote about his heart with God. And you look at that and then you realize, wait a minute, it's even more in the New Testament. Oh, wow. So we can say, oh yeah, we want to be like David. But we've got to be, have hearts after God's heart at a deeper level than even that in the New Testament. And that's why we've got the Holy Spirit with us to lead us and guide us, to stir our hearts with promptings, with, with groans sometimes words can't express, with, with feelings in us that we can't, that, that we know, oh, I don't think I should do that. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me about this. Oh, my heart after God's own heart. There's something being challenged inside of us. And I think sometimes when we go through the motions of something, we can end up with that kind of soul-like, well, it seems practical, just do it. God hasn't showed up, well, we'll just do it anyway. And actually, God wants to speak to us on levels of what he, of his heart into situations. So I was going to start this morning by looking at the story of David and Goliath. Um, could I have some willing volunteers and we'll quickly run through it. Hannah, would you volunteer to be David? I know he's a bloke, but um, I think size-wise, um, that would be really helpful. You don't want to. Anyone else, any other willing volunteers? Okay, Claire, Claire or, yeah, was that uh, Tracy, did you? I need two. I need someone fairly big and someone sort of. Okay, right. Here we go. We'll move this out your way. Yep. Right. Okay. Which one's start with David? Right. If you stand up, it's Tracy, come stand over here. So great. Imagine Tracy picking up and and ready to do the stuff. Right. Okay. So um, what we've got. As David arrives and is sent by his dad to the campsite to visit his brothers, and in doing that, okay, he, he hears this great big, huge, nine foot giant <laughs> um, crying out, you know, I dare you to fight me, right? And, and basically, you know, come on, why should we have a whole battle and a whole lot of carnage and things like that? And actually, why not just you and I fight, you send a champion to come fight me, your best, right? And the whole army of Israel is being intimidated by this enemy. And as a result of that, they're all 40 days, and Saul didn't know what to do. He's the king, he's the tallest guy, he's one of the tallest guys you know, he should be taking on Goliath. But he stay still for 40 days, waiting for the other side to balk, with this side balk, that kind of thing in battle. But who's going to run down and have to run uphill? <laughs> That's not good. So they're waiting to see whoever goes first is probably going to have a harder go of it. So they're standing off for 40 days, and every all those 40 days, what's, what's Goliath saying? Come on, you little chickens, you know, you know where are you hiding, in the rocks, you know, yeah. 
And, 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 and so there's a lot of intimidation. And David, when he hears it, it's full of the Holy Spirit, he gets angry about it and begins to ask questions. And as a result of all of that, right, he goes to Saul, and Saul said, Saul hears about it. And Saul, who's big and tall, but absolutely a coward, right, says, you can have my armor. <laughs> you know, you can have my stuff to do it. And David's willing to lay his life down in order to, to do this. But he won't take the armor. He goes with the equipment he's used to, sling and stick, right? So as David approaches Goliath, right, crawls along the floor to Goliath, right, Goliath, right, shouts at him and says, you know, basically, you're bird food, mate. <laughs> the vultures are coming for you, and a few things like that. And David responds by, by no nice words. He says, you come at me, you know, with all your, your, your stuff. I come at you in the name of the Lord. And actually, David shouts at Goliath, and as a result, Goliath is annoyed by this little tiny kid, and he runs at him. Uh -oh. <laughs> run up. And, and David, who's picked up some smooth stones in the, in the stream on the way, whirls around his head, and boom, and hits Goliath on the forehead. And, and Goliath falls to the ground. Now, Goliath, bear in mind, also has an arm. Don't know what doing, and then, what does David do? Very quickly moves before the you know, armor bearer is standing there, shield bearer is standing there to protect him. Boom, down he goes, and then David rushes over and chops off Goliath's head with his own sword. And actually, it wasn't time enough for Goliath to draw his sword because David had to draw his sword and chop his head off. Right, thank you. Can we give him a hand? Thank you both. Wonderful lovies, wonderful. <laughs> okay, the extra biscuits for both. Right, okay. On the way to take on Goliath, David had to take on something else, his brothers. And his brothers said, you all just want to see some blood in battle. That's why you've come down here. They said a whole lot of things to squash him down. David had been anointed as king by Samuel privately in front of his older brothers. So they weren't very keen, keen on it. They wanted to squash him down. They wanted him small. They didn't want him to succeed. They were pushing things down. And it shut up, be quiet, all those kind of things. David had to ignore them, say, no, no. And just go, so what's going to happen? So this is going to happen? And he goes on and he ignores all of that. The anointing in him pushes him on. And he goes on to take a life. Now, in, in that whole scenario, David's heart is different to the lily weep cowardly hearts of those around. And he steps up and does it. In each one of us is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit shapes our hearts to be more like God's hearts, God's heart. And as, as it are, our hearts are shaped by the Holy Spirit. Things should provoke us that don't provoke others. I'm not saying your wife leaving the cap off the toothpaste in the morning or something like that. What I'm meaning is there are situations in life that should affect us because it affects God's heart. There are things that should hit us that are, should hit us because of God's heart. And so this morning where we're saying we want to lay it all down, I surrender. 
We're saying, Lord, I want your heart in me. I want to have a heart after your own heart, and I want it to a deep level. You see, if not, we go through the motions of church. The church that gets built from this stage forward is built with a whole load of kind of, oh, well, we'll do this because it's practical. We'll do that because it's practical. There needs to be something of God's heart coming through what happens. It's not this, oh, we'll just do that for the sake of it. No, there's something that God wants to build in us. We need to listen to him. We need hearts after his own heart. So I thought this morning it'd be good um, in, in the second passage. So that, that's four pages gone of the sermon. Um, the next passage is Psalm 27. So Hannah and I were joking this morning. And um, she's going, I said, oh, we're doing David and Goliath. She goes, oh, you're going to do it as a musical. I said, what a good idea. We're not going to do David and Goliath as a musical. But there is music to the story. Psalm 27. (laughs) So it is a musical, right? The psalm, we don't know that this relates to that situation. But as we read through it, just apply it to David and Goliath. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Right? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh and my adversaries and foes, it is them who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet will I be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord and I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter. In the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear the Lord when I shout, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, nor false witnesses that have risen against me. They breathe out violence. I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So David, the giant killer, writes this beautiful song. And what David sees, if you take the song and apply it to David and Goliath, what David sees is not the giant, not the adversary in front of him. He says, I'm seeking something. What's he seeking? Any answers? 
seen how well it was read. Did I communicate as well as Laura? And that's the question. Verse 4 says, One thing I've asked of the Lord, and I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What he's saying is, I'm not waiting for some day to do that. I want every day to seek the Lord, every day to inquire in his temple. Now in the New Testament, can you really say where the temple is? Does anyone know? We are. <laughs> we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we have a temple within us to inquire of God, of his presence with us every step of the way, which, which David didn't quite have. What Jesus has done for us is far beyond. And so there's that sense of dwelling in the inner place with God all the days of our lives, inquiring of Him in His temple, talking to Him throughout the day. In Thessalonians, it's put as pray without ceasing. But here we've got an example of it. Actually, that heart after God's heart that's there all the time, that doesn't go away. Doesn't just go, oh well, dear Lord, I don't think He's showing up, I'll skip off the day. <laughs> But that relationship walking out each day with them is that sense of patience and walking with them. And that's going to be difficult because sometimes he's going to challenge things in our hearts. He's going to challenge things that need to be shaped. And that feels uncomfortable at times, but it's always in love. He doesn't condemn us. He convicts us and helps us become more like Jesus. And the more like Jesus we become, the more <laughs> we, we, we see what he wants happening around us. And so what we very often have is, is sometimes in churches you have this kind of like, well, do this, do this, and now you're a Christian. Done. Now you've got to be good. <laughs> and now you've got to kind of earn and deserve your way to God for us. You, know, you can get that. I believed that for a while in my, in my 20s. I actually believed, oh, I can't put a foot, God's going to damn me or, or whatever. I had all those. My, my following God was not out of love for him, but fear. I didn't want to end up in a bad place, to be honest. But now it's much more, I understand more of him, and I understand more of his heart. And I actually realize it's walking in love with him, and he's got so much more to do. And all our skills, all our gifts, all our abilities, he shines through and shows his goodness through. And, and that yielding, I, I will make room for you. Actually, in my heart, Lord, there's, there's stuff that shouldn't be there. I'll make room for you. I'll clear out some of the places around my heart. I'll, I'll, I'll make that, that, that empty for you to fill and flow through. See, the, they've ministered most of the sermon. Do you, do you know what I mean? I said, really good. It makes my job so easy, right? But, but, but actually, this being in the right place with God, so let's imagine us in a situation like David. We've got the shouts of David's brothers going, shut up, shut up. We're hearing the intimidation of the enemy. We're hearing, shut up, shut up. What do you think you're doing here, right? What's it called, imposter syndrome? Anyone struggle with imposter syndrome, right? I shouldn't really be here. Someone would be better than me here. And all those kind of things that they now have lovely names for. David's got that. People are saying, hey, you haven't got enough imposter syndrome. Let's put some on you, right? That's what his brothers are trying to do. 
right? Mighty soldiers fighting with Saul, and Saul got all the toughest guys around him in his leadership. <laughs> That's what he did to make himself look good. And actually, so David's brothers were some of those guys. They were mighty men. And these mighty men are saying, shut up, David, go home. Come on, you little kid, you're in the way. And he had to fight through that. Many times we have to fight that imposter syndrome. We have to fight those situations. Should I be here? There's sometimes situations you find yourself in and you're going, how did I get here? Surely someone could do better. Don't waste time doing that. Say, Lord, what is it you've got for me here? And you do it. It's a boldness that God wants to put into our hearts that overcomes those voices going around our heads and things being imposed on us. Then there's the enemy. You're going to think, that's a lot to take on. I mean, look at the size of Tracy in comparison with Claire. I mean, <laughs> but that giant, nine foot of him, is a huge thing for a young guy to take on. But David, I believe, didn't just arrive there with no plan. I think the Holy Spirit had dropped into the heart of David. He's big, he's slow, he's slower than a bear, he's slower than a, a lion. He's much slower than those things. You can take him. I believe there's a courage in his heart, I can take that. And there's situations that are facing you. And instead of looking at the intimidation of it, listen to the Holy Spirit. What is he dropping in your heart about that situation? Learn to hear him. Learn to listen to him. What's he saying about that really awful situation you're facing that's too big for you? What's he dropping in your heart? What's he saying? How is that going? And then stepping up, taking what's in front of you like the stones, and boom, down he goes. He's got a shield guy in front of him to protect him from such kind of attack. David's just too quick, gets around him, boom, down he goes. And then, oh, he's down, he better be out, and he goes and finishes him off with his own sword. That's not in the Sunday school version, right? But that's what he does, dispatches him. And then, the army of Israel, a little kid took out a giant, let's go. And the, the Philistines are legging it for the hills, right? And, and this whole battle. Now the battle's not over, there's several other battles with Philistines to go, but this one was a massive victory. It wasn't the end of the war. It was a battle that was won against huge intimidation. And into all of that, David takes Goliath's armor, puts it in his tent, they take the head of Goliath around Jerusalem just to show people, look, <laughs> right? There's partying, but it gets to Saul. David then has to contend with an anti-anointing. Right? The anti-anointing was, was uh, Goliath. He has to deal with the ex-anointed. And this thing is saying he couldn't. David has battle after battle after battle after battle and years of it. And I'd say that for us as Christians, we just want, I just want peace. I just don't want to have to fight through another thing. Actually, I just want to rest in God for the rest of my life. I want to sit like a, a sheep in his house. That's it. That's, that's what I want. Anyone like that? Yeah? We all want that kind of peace. Yeah? But we're not built for it. We're warriors. We're people who will take on things for God. And actually, we will be victorious in him. There's no other option. 
And actually, when we think we've won one battle, I'm going to rest for the rest of my life. Guess what? Another thing rises up and tries to take it, and we've got to fight through that and fight through that. And the fight against Saul was even more complicated than the fight with Goliath, and it lasted a lot longer. And actually, it involved some real adventures. But in that time, God was training David. God was teaching him. God was putting things in his heart so he could rule correctly. And there's situations that God has for us to actually rule and bring things into. We've got to win some of the battles along the way. And actually, they're part of the battle. It goes on and on. So let's not prepare for passivity. Let's not prepare for this sleep. It's deadly sleep. Right? Actually, there's something we've got to take on. There's battles ahead. And we're just going to go, okay, it's the next one. Oh, well, see God glorified in that one. Let's see him glorified in the next one. Let's see him overcome this. Let's see him overcome that. Come, Lord, shake my heart as I go through these things. Come and teach me things about you. Come stir my heart with the things that are coming. Let's go for it. Because if we've got a model that it's all going to be, oh, I just fight this one little battle and then I'll all sleep for the rest of my Christianity, you've got it wrong. There's his kingdom to bring in. There's things to overcome. There's things to be changed. There's things around us that constantly need changing. It's a bit like gardening. You mow down something, it grows back up. You mow it down, it grows back up. There's some of that to be done as well. There's some of the maintenance of moving through and working through with God. Right? So God's got all of that in front. Everyone's looking a bit miserable now. I thought, I thought you were going to say one battle against Goliath. That's it. Retire now, David. No taxes. We'd love all those things, right? There's battles ahead. There's things to overcome. I want to say something, because this is what I realized in looking at David and Goliath. Which tribe did David come from? That's really quiet. Any ideas? Tribe of Judah. Very good. Full marks. Then not only can she ace worship, she, she's aced the, the question. You're going to have so many biscuits today, you don't know what to do with it. Right. Here's from the tribe of Judah. Who else came from the tribe of Judah? Judah. Okay, who else? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. In the Old Testament, you find Jesus concealed. In the New Testament, revealed. Let's have a look at the story of David and Goliath. David, full of the Holy Spirit, he'd won some battles, broken through them, put his life on the line for his people. Jesus put his life on the line for the whole world. Died and rose again for the whole world. There's a little hint of it in David and Goliath. And he took down death <laughs> and took down evil and took down everything that stood against us because of Adam and overcame and triumphed in the cross and the resurrection, triumphed over them. And so our lives are hidden in Christ in God. So our status is we're not little David just taking on Goliath. 
We are people who are in Jesus taking down the biggest principalities and powers there are. Yeah? It's not just our fight. We are in Him, in the fight. And so what happens is that victory that is His is ours. Everything He's won is ours because we're in Him. We're part of Him. Our lives are in Him, connected with Him. And so in the story of David, love, no giant that comes against us shall prosper because our lives are in Him. The things we're wrestling with at work or the things we're wrestling with in life or the stresses and strains in life, the, the giants we face are nothing in comparison with who, Him who is in us. Our hearts need connecting with Him and His heart. I will seek the Lord. I'll dwell in His temple. I will be as close to His heartbeat as possible. Because I tell you what, there'll be some big giants coming down as I walk with Him through life. And we need to look at things that way. We need to not let the intimidation of people telling us to shut up and be quiet and be squashed down. We mustn't come under that. We've got to hide ourselves in Him. No, Jesus, you didn't do that either. The Pharisees tried to shut you up. Everyone tried to shut you up and they couldn't do it. And you went on and on and you took down the biggest thing against humankind. Massive. And so in us, there is things that God wants to take down in life around us. What I've noticed is, and I'm, I'm not going to say too much about this because it's still for me. When we got, come off air, I've got an exciting adventure that God's brought our way yesterday, <laughs> right? Which I'm going to share, but I'm not going to do it online. But there's things coming up where God wants victory, and there's things that just are opening up in the season, and it's for victory. And we need our eyes and our hearts prepared, ready. We need our eyes on things. We need to look at what's coming up. There's some exciting things ahead and, and now that God's bringing forth. And we need to think, Lord, what's my part in this? Where am I? How do you want me? There's things he wants to speak to us. There's things he wants to get out of our hearts that can't be there for this new season. That's what he's doing in me. If he's doing it with me, I'm going to share it around. <laughs> you know, but then you might go, well, that's you, Nigel. You need that. I don't. <laughs> well, good on you, right? I hope that's the case, right? But there's stuff that God's stirring up. There's stuff he's working through. And there's situations he wants us to have the right eyes on that we would otherwise overlook. But he wants our hearts soft so we don't. And we see what he sees. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Old Testament stories that we've read in Sunday school, that we've known all our lives, and suddenly you find Jesus in the middle of it. Lord, I thank you that as we go through life, you want us hidden in you. You want us to enjoy the full view, not a partial glimpse of what you do. You want us to see the big things shift. And Lord, I, I, I break off imposter syndrome. I break off those lies of the enemy that people have believed that think they can only do so much. And I release in the name of Jesus the mighty 
insight into what God can do through each one of us. I, I ask, Lord, for an astounding amazement of what you do in the next few years. I ask, Lord, for us to be absolutely overawed over by your action. Because I know, Lord, you want to take down some big giants. And so, Lord, I just pray you come and minister to us in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for those online. We just ask, Lord, you bless them today. We ask, Lord, for, for the giants, the negativity, all the things that come in, the demonic oppression, we just break those off. Their voices shall not succeed. And we ask that you just come, stir our hearts, come fill our hearts, come fill our lives afresh. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.